Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Therese Crow, novelist and speaker. So I have to start this out by saying that I've come down with a sore throat today. (laughs) So I'm hoping that whatever I sound like is channeling something like Phoebe from Friends when she got that cold and like her voice got all super sultry and then she <laughs> lost it. I'm hoping it's coming across that way and not weird. Yeah. I'm not trying to like start like an ASMR thing. This is just the pitch my voice works at right now. You know, when I was a waitress and when I would lose my voice, I would get better tips those nights. I believe it. I believe it. I remember (laughs) when, before we even did this podcast, you kind of joked about it Mm -hmm. and you sent me a, like a voice memo over text and you had your full podcast voice on. And I was like, holy cow. (laughs) Who is this person? That's amazing. (laughs) So yeah, I'm betting that you're, you're like, test run podcast voice was pretty similar to your I'm sick waitress voice. Yeah, the I'm sick waitress voice was a little more like Scarlett Johansson rough around the edges meets the serious, serious podcast voice. Excellent. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) So now that we've got my second coming of puberty out of the way, (laughs) I thought we could talk about something that came up in a writer group that I was in recently, and that is improving your newsletter. So I think one of the problems that you and I see really frequently is authors struggling to know what to say about themselves. I mean, I know I get that all the time when it comes to like writing a bio or introducing myself or even just what do I put on social media? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really true in newsletters. People just don't know like what it is that that they can put in their newsletter that's really going to make a difference. Right. For a industry that is driven by creative people, (laughs) somehow we are incapable of being creative when it comes to newsletters. Ourselves. (laughs) Ourselves. Really, ourselves. (laughs) Well, in the same group. It was a small group of authors and um, one of the women there was talking about like, well, I want to get into TikTok, but I don't know what to post. And she had mentioned like she has a horse and she loves her horse and her big passion. And I'm like, that's, that's it. That's your content, my friend. Mm-hmm. It's you and the horse. It's you reading the book to the horse. She writes, um, she writes the spicy romances. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? The spicy ones. Um, <laughs> And I was like, it's pretty hilarious. I mean, you've got a wide array of leather objects in that barn. Like you've, you've got, you've got a set right here mm-hmm. and it easy, easy as pie to say yeah. to somebody else, you know, oh, I can rattle off five, 10 video ideas right here and now for you. Mm-hmm. But then when I sit down and think about what I want to, mm-hmm. what do I want to say about me? What do I want people to know about me? I don't know. So when it comes to newsletters, we got into stuff that helps you 
convert that first newsletter sign up into a person who's going to follow your newsletter for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like a fan, like you're exactly. t- we're trying to create a, com- a real again, like fan. a real fan, a real community of followers and not just people who happen to have signed up at one point in their life. Right. Right. Yeah. And so to kind of set the stage for what this all boils down to is you want that person who just signed up to feel like they have just made a new friend. So these are going to be the emails that automatically get sent out when you get a new sign up on your newsletter. So you want to do about three to five of them mm-hmm. and you want to fill them with the kind of stuff that you and your friends would talk about. So that's, this is something that they, that you can set up on your email, on your oh, yeah. e- newsletter provider. Oh yeah. And they yeah, let like, you have yeah, up to so, five. Yeah. Pretty much any, gosh, I wish I could remember the name of the email provider that we were talking about specifically. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was no problem, no huh. problem to set this up. And even, even deeper than that, it was okay, well, what if you send the email and it gets opened? Okay, well, then that activates this chain of action. Uh What if you send the email and it doesn't get opened? That activates a different branch of action. Oh my goodness. So that there's an option, you know, at the end of it, if you've sent like three or four emails and none of them have been opened, you can send a final, hey, you know, I've been trying to reach you. It looks like you don't want to engage. So I'm just going to let you know that if you ever want to join my letter again, just reply to any email you've gotten from me, I'll put you back on, but it doesn't seem like you're interested and I don't want to fill your inbox with spam. So thank you for the interest. I hope we can connect again on a future date. You know, this really explains then the promotional emails that I get from e-commerce sites because you'll sign up for the e-newsletter to get, you know, a 15% off coupon of whatever site you're at. And if I don't, I've noticed like if I don't open that, then I start getting these like, hey, did you see what we sent you in the subject line? You yeah. know, and if I do open it and don't do anything, then chances are within a few weeks, there's going to be like, hey, we've sweetened the deal. Here's 30% off. So I feel like they're using this approach to like, yes, get you to open. And Mm -hmm. then if you open and don't do anything, then they just give you even more percent off and more and more and more Mm -hmm. until you're like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rugs.com. Go buy a rug. (laughs) Yes. So on the back end of things, yes. The, these kinds of email providers can tell, you know, um, who has opened it and Mm -hmm. who has not. Right. The only thing that kind of screws up that percentage, because a lot of authors, you know, If you have somebody on your email list who hasn't opened an email from you in the last year and they're taking up space on your list, that'll add up and add up eventually. Uh And, you know, you usually have to pay for how many people you're sending emails to. So you don't want to waste your money or your time sending emails to them. So you can learn. All right. Well, it's been six months. You haven't looked at an email. Bye-bye. You know, and you can set these up to, you know, whether they open it up or not guess what? In 24 hours, you're getting another one. Right. With and a in different 48 hours, yeah, more you're going to get a third one. <laughs> if you don't oh, open the fourth one, yeah. you're fighting. I don't know. No, I think that's really important to do. Like, why wouldn't you set this up? Right. 
So in those three to five newsletters, you want to aim to make yourself as interesting and unique and relatable as possible. Um, one of the things that got brought up is, you know, do you live in an interesting place hmm. or, you know, do you have like an interesting house? Is it actually a converted church or do you live in a tiny home? I mean, I know that's probably a small section of the population, but I mean, right. there are people who live in places like Alaska and Hawaii or, you know, oh, I used to live in Germany or here's the time I lived in Singapore for three years, um, all that stuff. You know, location is something that people find interesting mm -hmm. and you never know. It might be something that you actually have common ground with them on. Mm -hmm. I think with a little bit of creativity, really any location can be made to seem interesting. Right. Like if you just put some thought into it, there's, I live in a boring Midwest town, but there's murals, coffee shops, outdoor art sculptures, right. parks, all the things that if I put some thought and time into it, I could make it seem, seem right. interesting. You can make it seem like it's not Indiana. Right. <laughs> so in addition to places you currently live or you have lived, you know, you can talk about things like interesting jobs that you've had. Mm -hmm. um, I think people are sometimes surprised when they find out, like I used to sell cars. I don't know if I would, if I would put that one in my newsletter, that might make me seem a little bit untrustworthy, but I mean, it's there. It's true. It's in mm -hmm. my history. Um, and you've had some interesting jobs over the years. I mean, you used to name paint colors. <laughs> you would name paint swatches. <laughs> and that's one of those jobs where it's like, you know, you go down to Home Depot or Lowe's once every two, three years when you've forgotten what a huge pain it is to repaint your walls. But you're like, no, I'm sick of the blue and I'm sick of the green. I'm going to change it. Yeah. You stare at the swatches and go, who names these? Yeah. Amanda. There's an, there's an Amanda entire, them. the entire display, at least as far as I know, it's still true. The entire display for Minwax stain, like floors, like wood stain. Yeah. That was me. I like wrote all that. That's amazing. That was me. <laughs> I'd never stained anything in my life, but I have instructed many people how to do it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I've always wondered about like people who name those colors. I think they're just like at some point, maybe just rolling the dice, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, they, I wasn't, I like was on the fringe of the team that had to name colors, but I know the core team, like there was a point where they were just like desperate because like you've got 400 colors or whatever. And like right. they look this, there's like a hundred shades of white. Yeah. 50 shades of gray, like right. literally. And you're just like, how do I? Yeah. So you are just kind of like pulling it out of thin right. air. And yeah. How yeah. many bird egg names can you come up with? Ostrich right. shell. That's probably a thing. And then another one that people really love to see are pictures of your pets. So including pictures of them, stories of them. I just posted the other day, uh, it was just a meme, and it said everybody who owns two cats has one beautiful idiot and one demon planning world domination. Hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's my cats. Yeah, we've got a beautiful idiot and mm -hmm. one who causes endless chaos. So, yep. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, I worked with a woman who was doing her, trying to get her social media going, and the posts that resound resounded the most with her followers were her pets. Yeah. 
like whenever she posts about her pets, like we knew, okay, every, and this was social media, a little bit different than newsletter, but it can still cross over. And yeah. so we knew like every Friday, let's include a post about the pet and then pictures of her family or like updates about her family. It didn't need to be super personal, but if her daughter right. got engaged or married or graduated or they had an anniversary, like let's post a picture and people loved seeing her family. <laughs> loved it. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Including your family in it friends, adventures, all that kind of personal stuff. Yeah. And then another one that, you know, really is like, should be obvious to us as writers, but telling people about the books that influenced you the most growing up, mm. whether that be positive or negative, you know, mm -hmm. um, when Ben tells, when Ben has people ask him, oh, why'd you become a writer? He tells them about his first story which was this ripoff of this really bad movie that he had watched. And so he rewrote it where the bad guy was instead of being like a crocodile or a gorilla or something, it was a kangaroo. Hmm. So, um, and people always find that, you know, entertaining. One thing that I've seen work for fiction authors is to gush on other books in the genre. Cause chances are, if someone signed up for your stuff, you know, and they like the fact that you write historical romance, well, they want to know about other amazing reads within that genre. So it's a great place to kind of like, do like little shout outs to other authors, or maybe feature them in a tiny little blurb, like, again, not long. Um, but so like, that's a way to give them yeah. information that is helpful, because you're helping build their to read list. Yeah. And if you're ready for it, I mean, if you can handle it, you can even add in things like, oh, I really loved, you know, these books by these authors, or these are really formative to me. What, what did you read recently that really grabbed you? Because I'm always looking for stuff in my genre, mm -hmm. you know, to enjoy. And people will reply, like people mm -hmm. want to help you when you ask a question. Yeah. So I could see why that would become a little bit overwhelming for some folks. But um, I mean, if you can manage it, Mm -hmm. they're probably just sending you a couple sentence email and all you got to do is say, Oh, that's so great. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. Appreciate it. I think highlighting books in the genre that are for sale is a like, if you're like putting in front of readers who like a specific genre, other books that are for sale within that genre, like to me, that's like a value add immediately yeah. of like, I'm going to open the author's emails because if anything, I get tips on something to buy at a discount. Exactly. Um, and then I thought about like for nonfiction authors, like nonfiction authors should be imparting wisdom or information or tips with every, not every email, but like there should, like if you're the guru for atomic habits, <laughs> what's your tip for the, what's your tip for the week? Or like give me right. some kind of like pep talk or success story or, you know, like I feel like that's like nonfiction is a space where you can really like build yourself into being an expert on the topic by sharing information, advice, success stories, and, you know, linking to books and podcasts and all the things for people to get their fix on whatever topic it is that you are covering. Absolutely. The next tip we have for you guys is to keep the letters short. You know, it shouldn't be two sentences, It, but it shouldn't be 10 paragraphs either. I mean, right. think about what you would send to a friend if you were just sending a friend an update, just an update on your week or an update on what you've been up to, or I thought of this funny story and I wanted to tell you about it. 
That's really the kind of feeling that you're going for here. The goal of these introductory newsletters is to just allow this new reader to get to know you, what you like, where you live, what's important to you in life. Um, and hopefully that informs them on, you know, the kind of books that you read and makes them feel like, okay, I've made a new friend, you know, and it's not just another nameless Amazon author or big five house author. They, I feel like I have a connection with them. And then our last tip for you today is to make sure that you're ending all of those emails, the introductory ones and everything forever and ever in a picture link to your books. Switch it up, you know, you don't have to do the same ones. You can change the focus, book one from this series, book one from that series, do it so that you point them to your omnibus of a bunch of book ones. Um, and switching it up is great because if one cover doesn't grab them, maybe the next one will. To wrap up what I hear you say, as we set up our introductory emails and then you make yourself interesting, unique and relatable. You talk about the things that influenced you growing up, like genre wise or writing wise or favorite author gush. The keep it short and then- Couple sentences per paragraph, that's all you need. And then ending the email with pictures of the books that are linked, that are live linked to. And you yep, can track those you links. Them. You can track oh, yeah. those links and find oh, yeah, out maybe. like what the click-through rate is if you use this versus that and you can get really into the, the data. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gate Crashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. Simply use our link, paypal.me slash gatecrashers, or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode.